the Eighth Circuit Network. We make things, put them in your brain. Hello, and welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Funk Radio. Uh, this is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter, and today we have one of our favorite guests back on the show today. Yeah, I'm Jessica, everyone. Hi. Hi, Hi. Jessica. Hello. Thanks for having me back, everybody. Yay, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Jessica, do you want to tell our listeners what you've been doing for the last couple of weeks? Uh, Yeah, I have been working as an intern up at Pixar Animation Studios. That's been really exciting. Production intern, it's a three-month program and just started in October. Um, And it's been really great, really cool. Everyone's so, so nice and so welcoming, which is a really big relief to, um, because there's a lot, a lot of information kind of just being thrown at you, but Mm. I'm really enjoying it because they're, um, they're treating you basically like an employee rather than just somebody to go get coffee for you all the time. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty cool meeting a lot of different people. It's nice because when I, the role that I play in particular allows me to be at the production desk for one of the upcoming films. And so this kind of means I get to meet a lot of people from all the departments. So Mm. it's really cool. Are you allowed to talk about the film you're working on or is it hush hush? Not a lot of it is decided. The only thing that is decided or has been released and pretty much is the information that you can find on the Pixar website is the title so far is called The Good Dinosaur. Oh, um, yeah. Um, the plot that I heard about that, I don't, I'm, I don't know if it's changed by now, but the plot that I heard that it was supposed to be about is this concept of like dinosaurs never went extinct and humans evolved alongside them, mm-hmm. sort of like um, like a Flintstones meets modern day. Ba- basically, yes, kind of. I mean, Yay. I don't really know. I really, it does have that concept in it for sure. So, yeah, um, I'm partially they, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's still doing a lot of it's working really, on the actual story. It's, it's really refreshing to hear them still continuing with original stories and oh, yeah. not just making sequels. Not that I'm not excited for the new uh, Monsters University movie, but mm-hmm. I just don't want them to turn into DreamWorks with the sequel after sequel. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I think I I kind of have that concern, too, but I, I think that at least... You know, with these guys, the thing that's nice about it is they they truly care about the integrity of their characters and and that. So it's not so much, even though it is great for marketing and great for business. I and and Disney loves it. You know, I well, I know, I know, you're gonna keep doing even with the with the park projects they have going. They're really kind of hands on in the design process because they don't want their characters to be cheapened Mm -hmm. by the, I guess, creating of a theme park around them. They want to keep to the core story and morals and whatnot, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah it ni- is. That's nice to see that they they don't just shill their characters out to whoever will give them the most money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's really, it's great to see. I think it's really refreshing, actually. Mm-hmm. The, the sequel thing is certainly not going to be a, a takeover. Cool. So, Mr. Peter, what is our actual topic of today besides the <laughs> awesomeness of Pixar? Pixar is pretty awesome. But um, so today on Funk Radio, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of take a step back and think about, because we can consider that the golden age 
of funk and soul and disco, we could pretty much say it was around 40 years ago or so, from the mm-hmm. late 60s to the early 80s or so. So that time around. If that music was popular 40 years ago, I was wondering, you know, what do you think music in general will sound like 40 years from now? I think music is, in a sense, it's sort of cyclical, where it goes through these uh, peaks and valleys of, like, it's very focused in one direction, and then it'll, like, explode into other directions, and then it will focus back to, like, a core either pulling from the past or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, right now is kind of that area where music is just exploding in all different directions through so many different genres. But, like, you think back to the 70s, you know, there was, you know, rock, funk, soul, you know, poppy stuff, disco. It was much more focused and the genres were much more definable, whereas now it's really hard to define certain genres anymore. Mm. And I'm hoping that in the future those will become more focused once more and not just continue to explode into subgenre after subgenre. Mm. So That's an interesting point. I think a lot of people in that sense, I would agree that it's cyclical to a certain extent at least i think that people who are creating music definitely take from things from the past that and and use those to kind of add to their music or create to it i know everybody says or i was taught back in the day of music class that most (laughs) modern music was really pretty much inspired by jazz Mm. which is kind of which is pretty interesting considering all the different types of music that actually existed before jazz yeah I don't know. I think that people will probably continue to categorize and subdivide things, especially with something like um, uh, electronic music, Think, you know, things like yeah. that. They're just like, because you can have, there's so many different types. People are like, I like dubstep, you know, I like house, I like blah, blah, blah. I just actually discovered this thing, or I was shown yesterday, this genre of electronic music called electro swing. Oh, oh I love electro yes. Swing. Have I mean, you guys yeah. heard of it? Yeah, it's great. Look up, it's really um, cool. Look up Parov Stellar. He's like the king of it. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the one I was shown was um, Caravan Palace. Yeah, yes. they're good. Yeah, them. yeah. And um, <clears throat> so that's really cool. And that's I think that's a good example of taking things from the past mm-hmm. and using those little things and actually being able to incorporate it into something that's more modern and catchy and fits with a, a newer um, it's, audience. It's, it's really funny because a lot of people have referred to like the time between around like 2000 to now. I mean, I guess there's that decade in between as like the copy decade because mm-hmm. in a lot of aspects, you know, fashion and music and even like movies, it's the one decade that never that was never really defined as having its own unique, I guess, what do you call it, genre, and it, it kind of just mm. pulled from the greatest aspects of other genres, like 70s and 80s and 90s. Mm. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about culturally music, in general, or just I'm the music? T- culturally in general, but that ties into the music, Yeah. because this this decade, I mean, can you honestly pinpoint, other than just an explosion of subgenres that in those subgenres, just pulling from, you know, the music of prior decades, can you really pinpoint a certain genre that this decade has produced that is uniquely its own? I mean, you could say electronic music, but... Mm-hmm. In a way, that started but I mean, that goes back a while. Yeah, yeah that started it, in the 90s and even before then. And like yeah. the 80s, too. That's I mean, I think that would just be more of a popularity surge for, yeah. you know, I mean, because, like, you know, like you said, it's been around for a long time. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just bad at being able to pinpoint 
stuff like that. Like, I remember in during the 2000s, I have some friends who are just like, oh, yeah, that outfit's so 90s or whatever. And I haven't <laughs> been able to recognize what a 90s outfit is until, like, now. Yeah. It so. seems like each decade has its own stereotypes that go along with it, except this last one. Maybe because it's too early on, we haven't really figured out a way to stereotype it yet. Yeah, yeah, but that's like, what I'm wondering. I'm sure we'll figure out a way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, eventually. Maybe, maybe having to do with emo kids and stuff. <laughs> I yeah, I guess emo and hipsters. Hipsters are already mm-hmm. kind of a stereotype of this last decade. Yeah, which is interesting because hipsters apparently, I mean... Hipsters the, have been around forever. They were called they've been around for, They were yeah. called yeah. in the 60s and 70s. Now they're hipsters. Yeah. Well, and even even the term hipsters has been around for a while, but I don't know if it applied to the same types of people or same I'm sure, age. yeah. I'm sure it's a... It's yeah. a lexicon that was just kind of tagged on to any sort of outlying group that was being different for the sake of being different. Mm-hmm. And even even hipsters have their own subgenres. When you really mm-hmm. think about it, you're just like, oh, those are the rich hipsters who shop Did at you... Urban Outfitters, and those are the ones that shop at the thrift stores, and those, are, you know, like. But um, yeah. With as far as music in the future, it's hard to pinpoint, but it's it's encouraging that at least in this last decade, that there's been such a resurgence of appreciation for music from you know like you said even electro swing swing was like 20s this appreciation of music from far back before obviously these creators of it are were even really born yeah it's encouraging and i'm hoping that trend continues into the future where people can pull from prior successful genres like soul and funk swing and jazz and kind of just figure out new and interesting ways to mingle those together like I don't think it's I don't think it's ever gonna go back to its original focus. I think, at least with funk and soul, I think it's just it's like a tree. It's you know it's funk and soul with the trunk, and it's just continually branching out. <laughs> a trunk of funk. Of trunk. <laughs> <laughs> All the funk in your trunk. <laughs> so, cause I I don't really think that funk in in the way that it was in the '70s can really come back in the same way. I don't I mean I don't think that's really possible for anything. Yeah. I think um, I think funk was a product of its t- of its time because right. it was partially funk was sort of an exclamatory statement of, for lack of a better word, blackitude. <laughs> yes, I just made that up. Um, <laughs> and I think it was it was politically motivated. I think it was motivated by the tensions uh, of the time after the civil rights movement. Right. So I think that because it was kind of motivated by the, the current events of that period, unless, those, unless you know, history quote-unquote repeats itself, yeah. I don't think it could ever come back the way it was. Right. Well, um, Kyle, if you remember one of the earlier episodes that we did, we talked about how um, soul was kind of the product of civil unrest and everything. And then it's soul, I think, has actually come back to a certain extent now, more, more so than funk. Souls definitely come back, and it, but it's also kind of been, um, I, I don't want to say modernized, but also kind of expanded to larger ethnic groups like, you know, uh, what, what's that guy, Ray Lamontagne? He's like a French-Canadian white guy, and he does soul. There's, it, it just seems like a more expanding genre because white guys are now getting into it. You mean that, like, it, it, it still has its roots, obviously, in kind of African-Americans, but as it's grown now... It's kind of the message is kind of the same for everybody in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think soul has expanded to a frame of mind and, and less a a sense of ethnic identity. Mm-hmm. So yeah, actually something uh, something I want to ask about music forty years from now 
Because, I mean, I can't, I'm trying to even think, like, wrap my head around what it would even sound like. Because I'm sure people 40 years ago had no concept of what today's music would sound like. And the fact that now, especially now, more than just hip-hop, but more genres now are kind of sampling older music. I wonder if the music of the future will sample stuff that's from this period right now. From today. Yeah. Well, to, like, we, like we were saying before, today is sampling from yesterday. Right. So well, would the music of the future be sampling from the yester yesterday? I don't know. I th- well, I think you probably have, there are probably a few core core genres that are really solid that'll probably stick around for a long time. And they they were like the first ones for you know again like for example jazz. Yeah. Uh, you know there's always there are always going to be jazz artists. Mm-hmm. You know underground jazz artists whatever. And I think that jazz maybe has the potential to come back on its own. But I think and maybe you know kind of like classic rock, you know rock and roll sort of things also stuff that's that was new for the time and very and is very defined and very solid can come back i think most of the stuff the things that are not necessarily weaker genres but genres that clearly were very heavily influenced from those core ones are going to transform or they are going to be more just like this is kind of like this type of music the one the one thing i will say about music from the future is Music is always becoming progressively more polished and more calculated because mm-hmm. of computers and technology and studio, you know, the, ability, the technological ability of studios to basically, like, alter people's voices and, and instruments. So yeah. I don't think we're ever really going to go back to that sort of grassroots, you know, play it out, and if it sounds good, it sounds good. I think it's just going to be much more refined, maybe not mm-hmm. necessarily in a good way or a bad way, but I think this in the studio system, there's this ever-increasing, I guess, sense of a need for perfection in songs. I would actually go against that thought. No! I think after... <laughs> um, okay, let's say, like, 40 years from now, record labels will look back and say, wow, for the last 40 years or whatever, we've been doing nothing but, you know really crisp clean electronic or you know whatever but you know remember you know bob dylan or somebody like that like you know we haven't had anyone like him in a long time like do you think like folk music and that kind of stuff could in its most unrefined form could come back i think yeah and i think it has at least now i think folk music has come back um very strongly probably more among some of the hipster communities like you know the oregon hipsters (laughs) and things like that but um i think that that's definitely come back um Fleet Foxes are very tight, you know, Simon and Garfunkel, you have a bunch of other artists. Iron and Wine, they're kind of focused. Iron and Wine, yeah, they're He's a little cool. more popular um, folk artists, and I think they can definitely come back. I also think that as we progress into the future, different instruments will be created, which can definitely spur new music, I think. As that's far a, that's as a very good point, yeah, from, I mean... Yeah, as far as from, you know, like, oh, well, like, people are playing the saw, which, by the way, is the most annoying <laughs> instrument anyone can ever possibly think of to make. But, you know, people are finding different ways to make music speaking, and incorporate beats, so. Speaking of, like, like you were saying, uh, music going back to its roots, I discovered, I was watching, the, you know, that British show Top Gear, the car show? Yeah. Um, they had this guy on who is apparently very famous in Europe and sort of famous in the U.S. He's a blues guitarist but he makes his own guitar and he makes them out of like just whatever he finds and strings them together whatever sounds good and he plays um a slide guitar where he has like you know either like a a metal tube on his finger 
that he slides back and forth on the string. But there's one song where he plays a guitar that has one string, and then he has another one that has, like, three. So Mm. it's kind of funny how basically it's going back to the almost the you know the root of the 30s and stuff where people didn't have money for instruments so they made their own mm-hmm. so yeah. it's becoming much more do it yourself that way now because this guy's like crazy popular in like england and stuff so hopefully i'm hoping that in the future there that, that sense of well i want to have this certain sound but there's no instrument that makes that sound so i'll just make my own mm-hmm. i hope that yeah. continues because that's yeah. kind of I've, yeah. I've always found that very fascinating yeah, and hopefully people can do it without just relying on sound computers, effects that, yeah. you know, distortion of hmm. certain sounds via yeah. computers and electronics. So, yeah, actually, kind of going off this same subject here of technology creating instruments that people use to make music, because that's kind of what's been going on for the last, I don't know, 30 years mm-hmm. maybe, with synthesizers and, you know, all sorts of, you know, whatever they use now. But, do, yeah, do you think that that will continue to happen and the new instruments and things will be made to, to, for people to use music that way, or do you think it'll kind of go in the same direction that you're talking about now? How people will start making things from stuff they have rather than if you, waiting on technology to do it. If more. you really think about it, I mean, other than stuff like synthesizers, which is basically just an extension of pianos, um, there really hasn't been, like, a new modern instrument, like, invented since, like, the theremin, which was, like, in the 50s or 60s. Um Really, I mean, you know, brass and wind and guitars and stuff, those really have stayed the same for probably the last, like, 70 years. So I'm thinking maybe that any new instruments that they create will either just be for the purpose of getting the sound that they want or will just be an extension of um, established instruments that are already in place. I can't really see them inventing, like, a brand-new brass instrument. It's hard to say, like, what new things will be produced in the future because it all depends on, you know, culturally what people, you know, want to hear or what they think sounds good. Well, when yeah. when you think about it, when the world ends this December anyway, <laughs> all the survivors are not going to have any instruments left, so it's going to be back to the backwoods to, like, yeah. make new things. So there you go. I mean, there, we've there already solved it. Everyone just oh, starts well, over. That, that wraps up our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> we already know the answer, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Again, going back to the the point we were making, how soul is was kind of created out of social unrest and everything, and how we were saying before in a different episode that souls kind of come back now because because of the, possibly of the social unrest because of the economy and stuff. I mean, I don't want to sound like all environmental here, but like like global warming and that kind of stuff. I think the state of the planet might be a little bit worse than it is now. I would assume. Yeah, unless something major so, is done. So, do you think people will be a little bit more disillusioned? in the future once the effects of that really start settling in that's the thing is like there's you know in prior decades there's always been this idea of civil unrest and people wanting to make change in in some in some cases that change has been put forth like civil rights movement and opportunities for minorities but it just seems like like you were saying with global warming there's just certain there's certain things that are too far in the future that people can't a majority of people can't seem to put enough focus in them to to clamor for change. Yeah, well, it's it's really hard to to get any you know any small group of people to prioritize about what they really think is best with stuff like that. And it so when seems, it comes to environmental issues, because they're so so slow, a yeah, lot of them it's, exactly you know it's it so is slow. like you said it's, it's really hard. So whether or not you know 
even even now, if people were able to get together and and do something to revert what's happening, um, it, it's just so hard to to say like, oh yes, if we act now, we will be able to make a difference. Versus twenty years down the line, when it starts getting bad, they're just like, oh god, what do we do now? You know, people have to make do with what they have and the time that there is, and try and figure out what is you know what's going to be the best for me in the long run. It's just so hard to predict any of that sort of thing because there's so many different factors. Just you know, even within the U.S. culture, but not just that, within every other culture, within world events, you know, the world's becoming smaller and smaller, too. So for all we know, um, music down the line 40 years from now could be very inspired by Bollywood, you know, it could be. That's a a very good point. Yeah, it could become much more international, which might be the next step, too. So. That's a good point, is because it seems like international community has become more homogenous that I think because America has always kind of been a major influencer in the music of other countries mm-hmm. and now that America is no longer the superpower I'm thinking maybe music of other countries might might start influencing what we produce especially because you know as things go in phases even if the world doesn't end say maybe not 40 years in the future but whatever it is if America is no longer the powerhouse and the main influencer or even even the entire west if we're no longer that you know, it's likely some other country is going to if you think end about up it, the influencer. If you think about it, it's already started. Look at uh, Gangnam mm-hmm. Style in South, South Korea. <laughs> right. They've yeah. taken over. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I would say, like, with the advent of the, the Internet in the last, you know, 20 years or so, like especially. <laughs> well, I mean, slowly, but, yeah, especially in the last 5, 10 years, it's really ex- exponentially made everybody more aware of the world around them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's only going to grow over time. And I think, yeah, I agree that I think that uh, we will start taking more influence from other cultures. Yeah. Because it just makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, on on that too, when you when you think about it, as far as Western influence goes, and even if you know America does that whole, you know, no longer the powerhouse of things, no longer the main influencer. When you think about it too, as far as the whole Western culture being influencer, that a lot of that came from. Rome and Rome fell a really long time ago mm-hmm. and um, you know so they've still got things that are residual from that that certainly influence what we do today and a yeah. lot of that may not be musically or um, in the arts but a lot of it is you know so yeah that's there a good will point. be some stuff left over for sure um, something I want to ask actually because we're talking about how American music will become very internationalized I guess mm-hmm. do you think after a certain period of that maybe a couple of decades that there will be a musical movement to kind of go back so that it's going back to like the American music and the, and the genres that were created here. Yeah. I think eventually depending on where we go economically or socially, I think there's going to always be that pushback. I don't think it will be a majority. I think it'll be always a minority group because I would hope that the majority is always fairly progressive. Um, Yeah. But yeah, if you think about it throughout history, there's always been that. You know, there, depending on if music becomes more internationally homogenized, I think that, yeah, there will always, it may not be immediate, but there's definitely will be a pushback to bring it back to the roots, I guess. Do you think that'll be a major thing or more of kind of like a, a minor thing that only some genres will do? I think, it might, I think it'll probably be a minor thing because if you think about it, pop music or whatever, it, popular music kind of transcends countries. I mean, like Lady Gaga is like huge in France. Right. And stuff, so I think stuff, stuff like genres that are always going to be popular won't have that problem. But maybe in more 
subgenres like rock or you know soul music or blues i think there will be that push to uh bring it back to its roots yeah mm-hmm. yeah that, that makes sense because any, any um like kind of revivalist movements i guess to bring back older music from yeah, our roots that isn't that isn't no, major i don't I mean, see that's a lot very... of, i don't see a lot of people petitioning to bring back jazz yeah. to, to the state it once was yeah i mean it's definitely strong in its own right kind of in the background but not not in the forefront mm-hmm. so yeah actually yeah you well yeah, ja- yeah jazz, was, jazz was a cultural phenomenon of the 20s that basically completely changed the social dynamic of the generation yeah mm-hmm. you know so i don't that's a good point though too there's it seems like it seems like the progression of music is always spurred by the younger generation the teeny boppers the ones that are rebelling against prior generations mm-hmm. so do you think you know 40 years from now we'll be we'll be what 60 still listening to the hope the stuff we you know are now probably because it's the genres we grew up with so our children will be rebelling against us and listening to like bluegrass or something <laughs> just because you know so i think i think that i think in that that's the part of music that's kind of cyclical is it seems like each generation is trying to rebel against the cult uh, against the musical tastes of the one prior so you think that's true today with pop music? Yeah. I mean, you know, pop music is more sexualized than it's ever been. Yeah. And, you know, parents are like, it's all slotty and smut. But kids like it. A lot of it is, though. Yeah. I'm not, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying... <laughs> no, I'm, no, no. I just... And not so much now. I think actually it's improved a lot of it. A lot of it. But I just remember being like... And it's funny, too, because I've got, I've got cousins who are younger. You know, they'll... There are a few of the top 40 songs and stuff that... I know, and, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, these are catchy, whatever. And then my cousins will start singing them. I was like, oh, my gosh, you know that song? <laughs> and and those ones, the ones that usually they sing aren't even aren't even bad songs, but I'm just surprised they know them because of the context that, you know, oh, that no. I understand them in. Is it, mm. At the same time, though, and I, every time that it takes me back when I see kids knowing these different songs, I try and remember back to when I was their age, and the fact is that in most cases, as long as you're not, like, totally saturated with this type of music, and as long as it's not very blatant, as long as it's, like, just popular music that you're listening to that you think is catchy, you don't really care. You don't really analyze the songs all that much. I do think, though, that when I remember certain songs that would be played at mixers or junior high dances or things like that were very very sexualized and after a certain point you get it you're just like this is absolutely not appropriate for my age group to be listening to you know you're just like what is this going and that yeah. i remember that was in junior high just like oh my god everything's so risky there's there's people freak dancing and oh goodness and it's just <laughs> like this scary really bizarre type of phenomenon so i think maybe at that age the junior high and the high school age where you have the people who are a little less mature who don't necessarily understand what they're doing and what they're yeah. What they're singing, what they're, you know, kind of representing, you know, maybe that's some sort of exciting like rebellion to them. I don't know if people creating these music genres really purposefully try to rebel. I think that it's just something that happens to evolve into something that their parents may not think is catchy. I know my mom, she, she, uh, she likes System of a Down <laughs> and she <laughs> all this other stuff. She her first concert back in the day was Alice Cooper. And she went and saw Aerosmith in concert and all these different things. So I, I don't know. I think it's more, I think aside from 
rebelling against your parents, any sort of thing is more kind of like Kyle was saying earlier about the social movements. Things are spurred by opposition Mm -hmm. in general. And I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, music that comes from different social situations, different political situations, rather than I, you know, I just want to rebel against my parents. I think people try to quote rebel against the, the bigger idea of things and you know, through authority their, in general. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's where it comes from, but I really think it's more of something that evolves into it. I think half the time people who start learning music or start playing music do it because they love music and, you know, experimenting yeah. with things. And I don't think it's, it's that, you know, like, Oh God, my dad would hate this. I'm going to play it. So uh, <laughs> and I think it just kind of happens. Happens. Just it's so way. That that voice you just did is that the is that the lead singer? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not too. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we've touched on a lot of really interesting points today, mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be really cool to see where music goes in the next forty years and whether our predictions were right. I guess we'll find out. We're gonna put this in like a time capsule, right, and bury it in the ground, and then have this thing where we have to unbury it forty years from now and listen and see if we're right. Everybody will laugh. Once you Everyone. put it on it, once you put it on the internet, it's there forever. So yeah, Everyone's the internet is a perpetual time capsule. Maybe everyone will be listening to this show in forty years. That'd be amazing. Well, say- if we do two episodes a week, at fifty-two weeks a year times forty years, <laughs> that's like four thousand episodes. <laughs> wow. So yes, as always, subscribe on iTunes, like us on Facebook, Funk Radio. You know where to find us by now, probably. Uh, Jessica, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Um, always welcome to come back again, thanks, if you'd like. Guys. Yay. Okay, so thanks for listening to Funk Radio. This has been Peter. This has been Kyle. And this has been Jessica. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye. For more podcasts and the latest news in gaming, movies, and entertainment, visit 8thCircuit.com.